You know, there was that one guy who left a comment that said I shouldn't talk about politics, but I've been reading Twitter today, which I just closed. And I have to say, I mean, like, like it's like we've got Leroy Jenkins in office there. I, I don't understand what the fuck is going on. It's just, it's just it's incredible. Just incredible. Like, like Donald Trump. Point, point, uh, point three repeating. Of course, I watched that again just because. Uh, just, just part of the canon. You know, do you ever, do you guys ever worry um, that uh, you know? Because I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know what you guys do as far as the relation of all the nonsense I put out of the listeners, but like. Basically, pretty much everything I say is an oblique inside joke, and I'm worrying that it's all about 20 years old now, and I'm basically just making yep. like references to like the Southern Cross and like Neil Young constantly. Like I'm like I feel like I am what Steve Gilmore sounded like to me in the mid 2000s, where like if oh. you let that dude talk for like more than five minutes, suddenly it's like about obscure Beatles knowledge, and um, yeah, you know I think I think I'm turning into that. This is my concern, dude. What? Yeah, yeah, um, I, I'm with you because uh, uh, you know we, we we did that time at at, at uh, Coral and BMC mm. and, and whatnot, where all we did was like riff on the same years of The Simpsons for, <laughs> and and I haven't been watching since, so it's like <laughs> all the jokes are still frozen in time, you know. Um, my wife and I still make beeves and butthead jokes. I mean, are, are we running out of material? What's going on? I can confirm you both are getting old, if that's what you're looking for. It's, uh, I mean, uh, yeah. Is next topic? We can move on now. Yes, this is what happens like, when you age. You're just Not like, branded. just can't. Old you and know, oldies. You're just old yeah. and old, man. It's all right, though. It's 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 quaint in its own funny way. You know, it's part of it's part of the the process. Just one real time follow up. One real time follow up, Matt Ray. Since you brought it up, what is up with that the the meme gift? of Grandpa Simpson walking into the door and walking right back out. I mean, I understand what people are communicating, but, like, what, what was happening in that episode? <laughs> so so Bart got a job working the door at a brothel. Oh. Or a speakeasy. I yes. think it was a speakeasy. That, that, yeah, would, be more, a that would be more <laughs> Fox's speed. even more disturbing. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Well, you know, Fox uh, own, is owned by a former Australian, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we have a uh, we have a few items of follow up, which is to say uh, topics related to the previous episode. Now, per usual, I have completely forgotten to see if anyone has done their job to uh, to go leave an iTunes rating. As I, you know, I always see the, uh, the he's got some chip name in his Twitter name. I think he's always recommending it in Overcast, which I appreciate. Someone's someone's holding up the slack around here. I uh, I was just a little update on our monetization strategy. I sent a tweet to Papercall telling them that we would do an ad for them for like 250 an episode. So far, no reply. I mean, it seemed like there's a lot of conference organizers who listen to this, and then people who go to these little nerd conferences. What's 250 dollars to them? They they register a .io address. They get to roll it in the dough. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we actually just start threatening brands on Twitter, and, and mm. they'll start paying up. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> so uh, you want to take you want to take the first follow up, Brandon? This is this is one that you had. Yeah, well, it's it's part of the crossover show that we're doing. So I'm sure everyone, in addition to listening to Software Defined Talk, they listen to the Cote Show. And as we talked about last week, we had a little discussion with Matt Ray's colleague JJ, or you did Cote. And on that wide-ranging interview, yeah, I highly recommend it. But the thing that caught my attention was you guys were talking about containers. And mm-hmm. JJ was talking about how one of the things that people sometimes do is they deploy a container, you know, single process, it's doing something. But then somebody uh, in their organization says, you know, can I just SSH into that container, right? And so JJ, I, I, I think I'm going to characterize, I think he was appalled by that practice practice and he even kind of called it pejoratively uh lightweight virtualization but i was sitting there and i heard it i was like no lightweight virtualization this is actually like a good thing this is what like the the um like the normal person could understand like real simple they could just say we're going to get rid of our vmware instances let's put these things in containers and um take some legacy applications and you know save some money and make it a little bit more modern. And sure. I was hoping Matt Ray could explain to us, like, wh- why should we all be appalled as JJ was appalled at, at such a practice? <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I think appalled, well, maybe JJ's truly appalled, but, but I think um, 
maybe a bit of a strong word, but well, the, the point is it undercuts the value of Docker and containers. Um, if, if you're, if you're, if you're going to value a company at a billion dollars, it can't be because we're slightly better at virtualization. Um, the idea is you're going to upend how things are done. And so if, um, if, if all you're doing with Docker is like, hey, we have a, a faster, cheaper virtualization, um, that's cool. And and before Docker, there was there was LXC, and you know I, I, that was that was pretty great. I mean, I was I showing my age here. I was using LXC before it was cool, and uh, and I was I, you know really impressed because it's you could squeeze more VMs onto a machine, but um, but if you're going to go down the Docker path, the idea is. You know, let's let's do the twelve-factor apps. Let's have stateless applications. Um, you know, we, we want to have containers that inherit their configuration from their running and their runtime environments. Um, you don't do that by even having SSH installed. Uh, you you know, the the approach of treating <clears throat> Docker as lightweight virtualization. Yeah, you can save some efficiencies, but you're missing the Docker story. You know, the you know the the cloud-native story. And you know that's why we don't recommend putting the Chef agent inside of Docker containers. Um, the idea is let's build a container the right way the first time. That's why we came out with the, the Habitat project. Right. So I get the whole pro. I get the whole thing. If you're going for 12-factor apps and you're going to build your big cloud-native applications, I see. You know, again, like a best practices. Um, but I was out doing some uh, first-hand field research for the show. By that I mean I was uh, on a ski lift in solitude, and I started chatting <laughs> with this uh, this guy about you know making small talk. And anyway, he was in tech, and I'm in tech, and so we were chatting. And and he said, yeah, I, was, I almost came to Austin because I was going to go to the, like a, a container conference or Docker conference, camera, which one. And so I was asking him, I was like, well, I was like, oh wow, that's cool that you're using this. Like, are you using like Kubernetes or like you know how are you doing your scheduling? <laughs> and he just looked at me, he's like, well, really, none of the things I do. Uh, require this level of um, you know sophistication. He's just, you know basically running some containers on his uh, cloud provider of choice, who which is not a big cloud provider. I can't remember the name of it now, but you know he said just has some small clients building like some small apps and just you know it sounds like containers in this case was kind of doing that as a sort of a cheaper, lighter weight virtualization. And you know it kind of just struck me, and then I heard the JJ comments like I don't I don't know. I mean I I get the I know what you're saying there. Like yeah, if you're just worried about Docker and Docker's business strategy, separate question. Question. But like to me, I was like, yeah, this seems like a totally valid use of containers, and even like an entry point for like what I'm going to call like the 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 real world or whatever, the smaller dev shop or someone just getting into it. Like, yeah, just take some containers, start with doing some lightweight virtual virtualization of it, get familiar with it. And I know your point about LXC, and I know before that there's Slayer zones and there's BSD jails, and like for whatever reason though, those things never caught on in the big way, and it's just like maybe. Right. Containers are just now catching on, you know. And we never know why these things happen, but it's sort of like confluence of events. It's like this seems to me like the, a great way to just use it, start and like there's something you know, Cote. I think you and I have talked a lot about too. It's like, hey, I just have a bunch of legacy applications and VMware. Like one legitimate project could just be like, let's get everything into a container and you know, make it a little bit simpler and you know, reduce our VMware cost and, and kind of modernize our stuff. And then maybe down the road, we'll you know do the whole 12-factor authentication cloud native app. Um, but I just don't hear that talked about that much. Um, yeah. But I'm wondering if people are doing it a lot. I, 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 think, <clears throat> I think there just wasn't a huge – that wasn't revolutionary. And, and if you come into the Docker ecosystem with that approach – you're quickly going to be on the outside looking in again. You're going to show up and you're like, hey, guys, I'm doing Docker. And you'll say, what container orchestrator are you using? <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 no. I'm just running a bunch of VMs. Right? But I think so, that's what most people are doing. Like I, like you were yeah. saying the other day, like, I don't think anyone's really – there are not that many people using a container orchestrator. You know, I mean, in, if, again, like really on at the point of doing all of this stuff, like right now. And uh, – yeah. Like why not? Like almost like why? Why is it wrong to like advocate for just like a more? Hey, here's a place to just go grab some immediate value and maybe eventually get to a container orchestration platform 
uh, down the road. Mm. Yeah, you know, uh, it, think, uh, this, think... this would be a good thing for, uh, for for those industry analysts to figure out. Or or even, like, I, I didn't go look at it, but, like, the right scale survey. It'd be interesting to see. Or I think Datadog used to do this kind of stuff. and right, Like, people who peer into containers. And, and it's a bit of... I don't know what halo effect, thinking fast, thinking slow bias. There's frankly too many of them. They just need to have the one bias. People are stupid. Uh, and, and like, I'm sure there's, <laughs> there's some, some selection bias. Uh, I shouldn't say stupid. They just operate without fully thinking out what's going on. Cause who has time for that? You know, you gotta, you gotta go eat. Um, but you know, there's a bit of selection bias there, but it would be interesting to see and try to categorize if you peer into like thousands and thousands of containers, like what's actually in them. Uh, that that would be nice, and 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 you, there is some some coming around to that thinking too. I mean, when when VMware and and to to lesser extent Microsoft start bringing in, you know, the the VMware Photon stuff and and Microsoft's Hyper-V containers, they they do start to just talk about like, you know, it's para virtualization or, or para yeah, um, you know, it's the cheap cheaper virtualization so you can cram more in. And and they'll play to that market because they need to transition, you know, the 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 middle of the market instead of the early adopters. So, but there, but there's a nefarious thing you're alluding. Well, maybe nefarious is the wrong word that you're alluding to here, Matt Ray. Is that it's not cool to think like Brandon does, and and everyone will do it, but but no one will talk about it because it's it's just not cool. It's it's like it's like eating a bowl of cereal over the sink when you should be like you know creating your own cereal out of wheat you grew in your backyard. <laughs> well, well, sure, but but you also if you're if you're if you've been doing VMware for five years, you've got that all sorted out. Why do you change for a ten percent improvement? Mm. You know, if you're using VMware, you, the 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 benefits of getting slightly more VMs on a machine, yeah, that's not gonna you know that's not gonna rock the world. Yeah. You know, you'll save a little bit of money, but it's not gonna change your standard operating procedure. And if that whole ecosystem isn't trying to accommodate you, if you don't have you know, VMware and Nutanix and, and all those, you know, bigger enterprise companies in that, that world preaching that message. We're like, oh, yeah, let's go use this different hypervisor that's slightly better. Yeah. And nobody's going to go for it. Yeah, I think, but, I think, I mean, a, I think a lot of people... the other way and, and just yeah. said, like, if you're like, okay, well, I'm going to build an app that I, I don't expect it to have millions of users, right? It's a small app. It's, I don't know, maybe it's just internal app for business, automating some process. Um and I'm, so I'm in the process of doing this, and so there's lots of different options, right? There's Cloud Foundry apps, there's containers, there's you know millions of ways to do it. But it's like I don't, I don't know. I mean, to me, it doesn't seem like hey, maybe I'm just don't want to you know bite off container orchestration and all this other stuff. I was like, hey, this container seems like a good way for me to just package up these yeah. apps. I'm gonna throw them up on the servers, and you know what? Like I, I'm gonna treat them like pets, not cattle. And, and when I want to tweak something, I'm just gonna you know SSH into it, you know, run a couple commands. And you know, tweak it, and that'll keep my customers happy. And like, that doesn't seem wrong to me, right? It is it's like, okay, that seems like a legitimate use of this technology. And yeah, it's a little bit, probably a little simpler, at least cheaper than VMware. Um, you're starting from scratch, and you're starting to also get to know the tools uh, that are more modern. That eventually you may, you know, you want to go to get more complex with. Like that seems to me like a a very good use of containers. Yeah, maybe there's a. Uh, I'm sure Randy Bias will uh, in the future roll over in his grave. I mean, because he's still alive. Uh, but uh, as far as I know, but maybe it's maybe it's the equivalent of like you know if you got one of them uh, one of them hooch dogs. I forget which one was Turner and Hooch, but you got one of those hooch dogs, and of course you want to start treating your pets like cattle. But maybe if you got a lap dog, who cares? Get five of them. Like you can handle lap dogs; they're kind of loud and annoying, and it's uncertain why they're valued so highly by some people. But basically, it's uh, it's pretty manageable. It's nice, and their 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 hair is always very soft. I don't know if you've like pet a lap dog, but they're they're kind of like like uh, we call those things mufflers. You put your hands in, except you can't put your hands in them. Uh, but you know, this does this this reminds me of a slide that I had in my DevOps Day Charlotte talk, which now is available as a recording. Actually, if you go to cote.io slash not hyphen DevOps, you can link to the recording there or in the show notes. And basically, it also reminds me of another thing, which is if you don't want to worry about container orchestration or containers, and you just want to write your software and run it and be successful like a lot of people that, uh, that I've talked with, you should look into Pivotal Cloud Foundry. We don't care about <laughs> container orchestration. I mean, we do internally, but you don't need to. 
You just say where your code is. You give it over to the Pivotal Cloud Foundry. Your shit's running. You got all your ABs and canaries and all that nonsense. And uh, you don't have to worry about uh, whatever it is we were just talking about. You can just fast forward <laughs> to it. But I think this is this is a great question just in general because I've been like wading into this like cloud-native morass. Like, What does it even mean to be like a cloud-native developer? And what, you know, more importantly, like, what is reasonable to expect, like a you know average developer, whatever that means, to like know and learn, right? And and kind of to your point, Kate, right? I mean, Cloud Foundry apps, one way to go, right? Much simpler, at least for I think for a developer that's sort of bought into that mindset, right? Obviously, you're you've pro cons there, and then there's kind of the you know the Matt Ray world of you know you're out there with all these containers, and you got your really sophisticated configuration management, and it's like. I mean, are we really, do we expect everyone to, like, eventually, like, know all that stuff? And is that is that a reasonable expectation for most people building most apps to, like, know all of that? I think, I think um, that's a... Uh, I don't know. I think that's a self-expectation of, uh, of, of a particular vocal type of developer who just... Uh, I don't know. If Rails taught us anything, it's that people will put up with a lot. And PHP, and they'll just they'll just spend a lot of time when it comes to Lamp Stack and Rails, and especially Java. Like they just like will go to town. They're like pagination, identity management, no problem. Hold my beer. Like they're all over it, right? And uh, it's it's uh, I I think I think I mean I I joke about this, including in that talk, which is now available. That like you know when when you're in your twenties as a developer, you do a lot of dumb shit, right? And and that's where yeah. a lot of this comes from. And uh, but when I go out and talk with you know managers and uh, older developers who understand all my my jokes, uh, yeah, I mean they're basically just like I'm tired. Ten percent sounds awesome. <laughs> Thanks for bringing these sandwiches. Well, yeah, there, there was a great great tweet the other day that uh, telling a developer that there's already a library that does something is like telling a songwriter that there's already a song about love. Um, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes, perfect. I mean, yeah. So. But I don't think you can expect. I, I I think if if most people, you know, your your you know normal nine to five developer, they don't want they don't want to spend the time to learn like the full stack. And that's why you know when people talk about like full stack engineers, there's not really a lot of people who want to spend the time like you know thinking about assembly and then thinking about JavaScript. You know, there's there's not a lot of that, and and you don't have to. I mean, you can have a perfectly happy, you know, well-paying job, you know, just focusing on, you know, yeah. the lamp stack. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't I don't want to go full Syracusean on the follow-up and have it be the entire show, but uh, you know, I, I mean, I I I would just add, it's sort of like, I mean, I I think most people, as as they get a little older, they're they're too easy everyday reinventing parenthood to be reinventing every single framework out there, right? Like, there's there's <laughs> plenty of more stuff to like reinvent. You can read all those books. They give you advice every day. You're like, oh, I fucked it up again. I should have taken Doctor Spock's advice. Like it just like uh, never fails. But uh, well, more importantly, Cote, as we end this, I just want to tell JJ, like I'm going to secure shell into my container, and I'm not going to feel bad about it. So I'm just, I just want to clear the air on that. From the fucking mm. ski lift, check it out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. Man, so so that's our follow up. What uh, what what else we got going on? It looks like our favorite company, Slack, is is they've been listening to Brandon's rantings about about the Open Core Freemium model, and uh, I don't know have they have they been adapting to it well? What's what's going on over there? Well, I've been following Slack, and I I will say that like, I, I am very impressed with their uh, implementation here of you know essentially the freemium, right? So as we all know, Slack has gotten this tremendous uh, uptake. Through through really you know the what am I trying to say here the uh, ground the ground up right the the normal the grassroots using it and dragging slack thank you I could not come up with that the grassroots and I've been thinking the other day and reading about you know their latest offerings that have a lot of enterprise features and I'm seeing this is maybe the best example I can think of of a company sort of really executing on uh, the freemium model and I you know the, I've been hanging out with the design guys now the design people and uh, I love the new frameworks yeah the uh, you know I'm into it design thinking I'm into it like it but you know they have this phrase they like to use minimum delightful experience right the idea that 
you've got to deliver not just like a whole set of functionality, but like people got to be like really, really excited about what it is they can do. Like that's really the bar versus, you know, MVP is a a tire topic that most MVPs are really just like half-baked products that don't do anything. And very rarely does an MVP like leave you happy. Mm. Um, It really usually just leaves you wanting a lot more. And I'm seeing that Slack, you know, for all its, you know, growing pains recently, if you think about like reinventing group chat, like I would actually go so far as to say it is a delightful experience using the group chat kind of um, experience of Slack. And I think that's clearly what drew so many people to it. And I think one, the speed of which, you know, and the implementation that you can get it on your mobile phone, you can get it on your, your laptop, you can get it in your browser. Uh, and then two, like, I don't know how to, like, there's an aesthetic to Slack, and I want you guys to, like, tell me if I'm wrong, that I really think is is uh, much more enticing than, like, Skype or mm. uh, li- uh, Microsoft or Live Chat. And it's like, you know, you, there is kind of like a pleasant experience. Like, different rooms show up, and, like, you know, you're just kind of chatting back. Or even, like, IRC for, like, the real technical audience that it's a very pleasant, like, aesthetic to to actually interact with. And I, and I was just thinking to myself that like these guys didn't, and then the things that I think that are very difficult about Slack, like logging in and having multiple Slacks and some of the identity federation stuff that I sort of care about that, you know, really they just didn't do any of that stuff. And now that they are, you know, achieve such high penetration, right? They really are just building the features for enterprise that enterprises are willing to pay for and really demanding. So they just sort of answer every question of like, do you support integration with AD? Yes, we do, but you need to buy it. Do you support, you know, um, these security concerns or this kind of archiving for um, some type of audit? Yes, we do, but you have to pay for it, which is just ideal, right? Because now suddenly the people that are paying for this are really just telling you the exact features they, they will pay for versus, you know, so many times we've seen it and, you know, sort of making fun of it last week, right? Like the old grid and somebody's just drawn up a free version and they've kind of arbitrarily decided they're going to charge for some set of uh, enterprise or SMB version. And that, of course, doesn't have any traction. Um, but Slack, right? I mean, they they are really doing it, right? They've actually done it. So I, I just think it's a good model. It's not obviously Slack's not open source, but I think it's the kind of thing that you know open source companies that are getting wide ranging grassroots adoption should really look at. Like only build out the features that people have really come to you and they're going to pay for, it, right? And they're going to do that by coming to you, and it's going to be in their organization. They're going to demand that you have these things, and that's your point to go out and sell something. So I really like it. I'm just impressed with their execution. You know, not. Rarely do you see someone do it at such a high level, and they're obviously going to be hugely successful. Well, listen, when when Brandon likes some kind of workplace software, I think I think that's uh, it's, it's, it's worth. <laughs> well, am I wrong? I, that's what I want to say. Like, am I just like? Uh, do you guys like? Do you not have that like Slack experience? Do you think it's like a little bit better, or is it like no, no? Give me my Skype. I, I have I have uh, my thoughts on on Slack are confounding to myself just because like. It's so like grading, and yet like I use it all the time, and it, it's I, I I agree with your assessment. It's it's pretty good. It's like it, uh, and you know, of course, as I as I tweet about every time it happens, just their whole like onboarding experience is like fucking ridiculous. Like there's just there's no excuse for it. I don't know what what they're doing there, right? Like I like I'm looking at my Slack now, and I've got one, two, three, four, five Slacks that I'm logged into, and I had to create a whole account for all of them and do some email yes. thing, and it's just like. It's like they they got Leroy Jenkins running it. Like I don't really know what's going on there, but I think I think the uh, yeah the aesthetic is really nice, which is which is a good point. And the um, you know they have they have a good enough trickle of features uh, that that make it interesting. And like I, I think I think the other thing that I mean the real thing for me is people use it right. Like it's the it's the yeah. old saw about social networks is like you know the best piece of social networking software is useless unless all of your friends are in it and. I'm not really sure. I mean, I'm not sure how they actually achieve that. I mean, obviously a freemium model, but as as we catalog almost every week, a freemium model is more or less a death sentence unless you're lucky, right? Like, so it's no way a guarantee that you're going to do anything. And so it is like, I don't know if there was like some targeted advertising they did. Like, you know, if if you if you read the history of Twitter, they were pretty good about going out to... Uh, super nodes in the blogging network in the Bay Area and getting them hooked on it who would then get hooked. I mean, that, if I remember, that was a very active campaign that the, that the Twitter people did. Um, 
whether it was intentional or not. And so I don't know if Slack did that. I mean, they used to have podcast ads, but there definitely is some, I don't know, is this what a growth hacker does? There's some sort of like growth hack. That's like long ago, right? No one says that anymore. It's like chief revenue officer. I don't know what the fuck people call it. But like uh, there's some sort of growth hacking that they did early on that like really bootstrapped it. And this is the confounding part is like it's good software. I'm doing that Donald Trump finger thing now. Um, But uh, like – I don't believe that any software can be good enough without having people hustle without marketing, right? Like that just doesn't yeah. happen. So, and, but, and this is the confounding part is I don't know the full story of the marketing that they did. And I don't mean any of that to dismiss it. This is more like, it would be awesome to know that. Cause that would be incredibly instructive. Cause it is. Well, uh, I was going to say there product. is a real good interview with, uh, on, I think Ezra Klein does it with uh, Stuart Butterfield he's the CEO of Slack. And mm. so go check it out on his feed. He, he tells a lot of one of those the, the that I deleted without listening to it. Maybe I should it's a good go one. Back. It was a good one though. It's cause if you want to hear the story of it and he tells the story of Flickr as well too. Um, but I do think they definitely benefited from, I think, uh, San Francisco, echo chamber effect right and i think it's spread faster but i do i do think you know growth hacking i always think it's just another like placeholder for like um you know just harnessing word of mouth like right like when you get into slack and right. you start using it maybe you know again i think it's, it's always multiple things but the fact that it's on your mobile device and your computer and it was so easy once you get in there that um and i think there is i mean dare i say this word i mean i'm, I'm almost gonna regret as soon as i say it like there's a hint of fun to it right that is really not available in maybe any other or very few other corporate applications like Mm. you'll catch some funny things that people would never say like right back to in an email but they'll kind of throw in a slack like an informal kind of like kind of like at the bar or whatever we're at the water cooler at work um that they they've really hit on and i do think and i agree the onboarding thing it's as I've gotten into more slacks, you know, it is, it's like, yeah, but I, but I think it's okay. And, you know, I think their willingness to like, Hey, we're just going to make this group chat great. And I, I assume they will make the onboarding. I'm sure that's on their roadmap, yeah, yeah. Um, but then they also have a willingness. And I thought Kote, I think they, in fact, they, they wrote a little help article for you. I, it looks like many people have asked the Slack uh, engineers to implement Markdown. So they have like a response saying they're not going to implement Markdown oh, yes. as their markup is uh, – yeah. you know, they deem their markup useful enough. So and I think that's another like uh, sign of a strong company like, hey, we are willing to say what we're not going to do. And I'm sure they get lots of people asking. I mean, again, if it makes the website, you know a lot of people ask. So I thought that was another solid, like, they've got a vision. Like, no, Markdown is not in it. They think it's too complicated for the average slacker. Yep. Uh, so so I like it, though. I'm, I'm impressed, like I said. And I do think, yeah, there's always an element of luck. There's, you know, clearly we could you know, recite the halo effect here. Um, but these guys do seem to have done some stuff that's that's really good good and i and i do think it's kind of back to that open source model too like you know really being smart about make the first part of your product delightful at all cost right you know in this case slack sort of hit on some fun things and then wait on this other stuff to figure out what people are going to pay for mm. once you've really got some traction yeah you know i think i think if you melt it away all the uh, all the flicker alumni hipster stuff right you know, we were just trying to make a game and then la di da which, which I'm sure is true, but it's just sort of like, um, you know, well, I'm sure that's how the uh, the insurance claims people at big insurance company are thinking and operating too. They just need to work <laughs> on a game, uh, and then and then they'll end up doing their insurance claims thirty percent more efficiently. Anyways, but I, I think I think there would be a good case study you could do if you brought in like hip chat and probably like an analysis of Skype and some historic prologuing about AIM because you know it would be interesting to track. Um, You'd have to handicap it because Atlassian obviously doesn't have the uh, general marketing, general audience marketing heft that that Slack does. But if there was something inherently good about this kind of software, I haven't actually seen HipChat, but I would assume HipChat is equally like successful in its own realm, right? And then it would be interesting to compare it to like like historically chat rooms and why they worked or not. And maybe you could like wangle out like here's here's some key characteristics of getting a SaaS-based collaboration thing started uh, that, that you can focus on. That's my Professor Cote response to all of that. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Very well done. Yes. Thank you. Well, hey, why don't we do our mid-roll? I've already uh, slunk in, if <laughs> that's the word, a little mid-rolling. <laughs> that's because I'm a professional. But, uh, you know, what do you, what do you got for us, Matt Ray? Uh, well, right now I'm at the, the Microsoft Ignite Australia conference, but 
By the time you hear this, it'll be over. Um, <laughs> uh, Unless you're the be, NSA. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hi, Donald. Um, we're going to be... Oh, geez. I'm, I'm going to make gold this month, um, so that's something. Uh, but I think the next place most people see me at is I'm going to be doing DevOps Melbourne next month in March. Uh, at the end of the month, I'm going to be talking about compliance automation with uh, Inspec. Um, I think I think I'm going to be in Brisbane, April or March. I'm not sure yet. I I, I was told I'm going. I don't know where yet. Mm. But uh, in the meantime, yeah. In the meantime, uh, we're you know we're still um, getting folks together for ChefConf. Uh, the dates are up. I think it's May 22nd through the 24th in Austin, Texas. I will be there. So that's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, so far, and, no and, email from your buddy Nathan about uh, live software-defined talk recordings. We might just have to go sit out on the sidewalk and record it. I think I think we can make this happen. Yeah. I think we can make this happen. I'm trying to get a discount code for, for podcasters. Ooh. Uh, we'll see. Ooh, ooh spicy. Um, can, can you make it make SSH our- into containers? That would be a good code. <laughs> That's a long one. Um, all caps. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> How about Telnet? Oh, good, um, good. Yeah. But yeah, oh yeah. Uh, but that's 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 what I got going on. So uh, le- yeah, last week I said we were a, a sponsor of DevOps Days Baltimore. We have the discount code for the best DevOps conference in Maine. Now, as you might remember, DevOps Days Baltimore is March seventh <laughs> and eighth. That's right, the Northeast. <laughs> uh, and and if if you want to get ten percent off, ten uh, percent. I don't know. If you want to get ten percent off, you use the code SDT hyphen Baltimore. And I'll put that in the show notes. It'll be at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 88. Scroll all the way to the bottom, you'll see the codes. But it's great. You get 10% off. Now, also, uh, I didn't know you had these perks, but we get a free ticket. And they just sold out. They're, they're going to increase the things probably. But they just sold out. So currently, you can't get 10% off of uh, nothing if you know how uh, multiplication works. Uh, but we have one ticket we can give out. So here's – no one has ever – taking us up on our free ticket offers. So statistically, you're going to win if you're the one person. I think that's how math works. Uh, but anyways, if, if you write us a review in iTunes and you just tell us about it, you can go to our contact form at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash contact. You can write us on Twitter. Send me a, a letter if you know my mailing address or send it to my <laughs> friend Charles at his office and he'll forward it to me. Anyways, if you write up a review and give it, give it to us, we'll do a semi-random selection of who gets the free ticket to uh, go to the best, the best DevOps Days conference in New England this year. You know, you can load up on burners, go check out your fish tanks in the basement. It'll be cool. <laughs> so uh, also, uh, on a brighter note, if you want to figure out, like, uh, if you want to hear about, if you want to build your own platform to do all that orchestration... You know, uh, according to our recently released white paper, if you want to spend about $7 million a year over 50 people or so and have a two-year ramp up, then you should go do that. Otherwise, if you don't want to do that, you should go check out our white paper and tell you why you should be interested in Pivotal Cloud Foundry. You can get that by going to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash DIY platform, all lowercase. I bet you could mix the case. I think Fireside is good enough. They'll sort that out. But that's what we got for you this week. I assume you have uh, nothing for us, Brandon, except uh, IBM Design. Figuring shit out. Yeah, go to, check out. I mean, design. I'm <laughs> Coach. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna reinforce that. I was gonna try to go to your Austin meetup. You didn't. Oh yeah. That, next week or the yeah. week after? I was gonna actually make uh, an effort to get out of the uh, design studio, the design yeah. bubble, and go see the real world. So uh, is that two weeks? That's when is uh, that that's thing? next week, February twenty second, downtown Austin Cloud Native meetup, digital transformation in the streets, otherwise known as the same talk I always give with a new title. Nice. Looking forward to that. But yeah, we Looking should have some uh, some like craft beer and some fancy ass pizza. It's probably gonna have like big blobs of ricotta and basil melted on it or some shit like that. Mm. And, uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Can we, get, like, can we get like a vegan pizza in there? You know, just oh. like you know, it's kind of Austin, right? Let's, let's sure. Switch it off. I don't. I don't know. Let me. Let me talk. Let me. I, 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 <laughs> I won't actually do it. But like, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Sounds, there's also All right, yeah. Uh, then, yeah. We're going to have I, – I, I'm committing. I'm actually going to ChefCon. So, like, we're going to, like, do some kind of live recording. And if, if – or not anything else. Maybe we should have some kind of meetup that Matt Ray can pay for uh, at the uh, – you know, some kind of bar or something at uh, ChefCon. I, I will have the corporate Or maybe bar. we can just yeah. come and share some other chef event to say we're going to be there and, and there will be free drinks and food there as well. Yeah. This is a good idea. Maybe that's I can the, get some sponsorship. 
power the expense account. <laughs> now, if, if we can't line it up, it's going to turn out that the reception where there's food, free food and drinks, that's actually uh, the software-defined talk happy hour. So you can just come there, and uh, <laughs> well, there'll be free drinks. We need a drinks. little portable sign we just put up in front of other people's yeah, events. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they, call that, they call that sponsor bombing, I think. Ooh, uh, I like it. So, so we only got a little bit of time left. Are you guys interested in talking about the grim future where we have no jobs and computers rule us, or, or a surprisingly candid uh, interview inexplicably at the University of Washington with uh, the, the head of, of uh, Amazon Web Services? What, uh, what are you feeling? Let's talk to um, I didn't hear it. Like, what was the? What were, I didn't. I've not done my homework. What was the great thing that he talked about? Oh, yeah. Why don't you summarize it, Matt Ray? You're you're usually the person who actually knows stuff. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't go that far. Um, but uh, but yeah. So so Jesse, um, the uh, I'm not sure what his title is, but you know, VP of of Cloud at Amazon or something. No. Um, he he had a, a an interview on stage at uh, I guess the University of Washington. And usually Microsoft, ah, Microsoft. See, I did it already. Uh, usually Amazon doesn't um, acknowledge their competition. You know, they they and they've always done that with retail, right? They're like, we're not watching. You know, we're not watching the competition. We're watching the customers. Um, but he he you know said a couple things about like you know we we didn't think that we would have a six or seven year head start on the entire software industry, and that's that's pretty nice. And then. Uh, and he acknowledges that that Microsoft is is uh, you know coming coming stronger, and um, you know it, it's just like they don't ever talk about the competition in public, and you know uh, it, it's a it's a good read just because uh, you know we've talked about it a lot about how you know the traditional enterprise people were protecting what they had rather than go to where you know go to the future, and so like he says you know they have a a six or seven head, six or seven year head start. This little uh, retail company now, you know, that's where the that's where the enterprise is going, um, instead of you know your traditional enterprise vendors. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's a it's a good read. I think I think I think as always, Brandon can remind us which which biases uh, are in play here. I mean, if if, if you mm-hmm. read some of these things, they are all. I mean, of course, they're they're uh, they can easily be read, and many of them are like digs at competition, which is fine, but. That said, I don't think it's the usual uh, bluster. There, there's, there's some good analysis. You know what, what, uh, what, what Matt was saying about uh, the head start and all of that. And, and I think, I think there's a, there's a part, and it's a very short article. There's a part in the middle that uh, I, I was reading it in the voice of our friend Prabhakar. Because it was basically like <laughs> I remember him saying exactly the same things, and he made this wonderful chart when we were working on uh, cloud strategy at, at some place. Uh, where he basically had charted out the number of services Amazon had over years and kind of came up with a theory of how many years it takes to catch up with Amazon. And I think it was like six or seven years or something. It was, it was, uh, it was a nice chart, and he also did some VMware acquisition stuff. I wonder if we still have that around somewhere. But, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a pretty – it was a pretty. I mean, obvious. It, it is the analysis of public cloud, right? That so, who knows if it's just like pirating, pirating, parroting it back? But um, yeah, you can read it and be like, "Yep, that's the the state of cloud right now." Like, I, I would challenge, I would challenge you. What kind of fucking phrase is that? Uh, you, you can you can entertain yourself by finding better commentary from anyone about like uh, what public cloud strategy is in in twenty seventeen. It's uh, it's good. I, I like I like the. Um, I like the deft uh, dismissal of enterprise cloud. As as someone who uh, who was in the enterprise cloud wars, yep, that was uh, <laughs> that was not a good idea. Yep, yep. Yeah, but I think you know, I, I always come ahead. We can almost write the article in fifteen years. Like the people that displace Amazon, right, will be the ones that turn all these services against them. The fact that they have so many will become a liability. And the other part is like just like the retailing. The fact that they have all of the perf the the business that is created that makes all these um, awesome distribution centers um, um, obsolete, right? It turns that against them will be the ones that disrupt them. And then people will write the article yeah. and be like, see, Amazon just didn't realize they were totally. building too many services. No, and they I, didn't realize they're... So I yeah. think it's it's just, again, like we can see the uh, the halo effect happening, right? Like right now, genius. 15 years from now, yeah. probably yeah. someone's going to figure and, out. And I wish if I, if I yeah. knew what those were, right, of course I would start that business. But it, it's easy to see that someone will turn those strengths against them at some 
some point, and then they will be idiots. Well, in, you know, in the day where Slack supports Markdown, they did say that maybe in the future they would do it on that page. Maybe, maybe we'll know. But I, you know, just add a little, uh, just a little like rainbowy, a little silver, silver lining to, to the cloud because I think I think that's accurate. Like I think as I was reading it, I was also thinking that um, if if you think of disruption theory as a tactic and not a strategy or a lifestyle or a philosophy. It is a good demonstration of how disruption theory can work. It can fail miserably too, but like the idea of making a uh, a much less you have you of making a much less featureful or capable product that comes in at the bottom of the market that the big profit-making people are ignoring and then slowly climbing your way into margins. And and he kind of he sort of walks through that, but but AWS is a good example of doing that. And again, all of the Halo theory stuff. But like I remember, right. I remember that uh, uh, you know um, uh, whatever the the innovators dilemma is like required reading for uh, for Bezos uh, people and things like that. So it is like again, if you think of it as a tactic and not as a sort of like truth then it is it can be deployed to uh oh, to i totally effect. agree but i do think like i always think like well what's the thing that would do it like i don't know who's working on it but like imagine a computer right that is like some you know whatever optical atomic computer that is literally as powerful as you know four or five data centers right and it's a really small thing that runs on really low power and yeah that seems crazy right now right it's kind of like this resurgence that uh nvidia is having right you know like suddenly these gpu chips are just really super important and there's a lot of research going into that so maybe out of that spawns like the computer that is like super small and then you know people are gonna be like it's stupid to like you know put all your stuff way out in the cloud or whatever or these cloud providers that instantly turn over it's like yeah you just run everything on this one computer that's super fast and it's just a lot easier you don't have to you know all this container orchestration all this other stuff is just you know not even needed anymore so that seems crazy Mm -hmm. if you showed it up with it right tomorrow then i think amazon would be like whoa wait a minute that would never work right and so so you have to like i don't know i always just think to myself like everything has its run right amazon awesome they're doing an awesome job but like something's coming maybe maybe it's that computer thing or maybe it's something completely different but something's on it's on the way right now well as long as you can ssh into it it'll be successful (laughs) that's right jj i'm an ssh into that thing too yeah i don't know i mean i talking with uh talked with a um product manager at google cloud and he was saying you know they are hyper aware of that sort of scenario where something comes up behind them and he said you know no one is going to get past us. You know, no one is going to catch us from behind. And the way we're going to do this is we're going to give away and just take any money out of any potential competitor. Yeah. And I think if you've got, you know, if, 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 if you know, if Google's spending, you know, two or three billion a quarter on infrastructure to make and, and all the investment and in enterprise like, uh, tooling, you know, you, just because you have somewhere better doesn't mean the whole software industry is going to mm-hmm. pivot on a dime. What you have is like, you know, everyone's building up these relationships now with Amazon and you know Microsoft and Google, but nobody can, you know, like like still, you know, oh gosh, Docker's going to change the world. We're still talking about SSH and into those boxes, um, you know. And what happened? You had you know everyone co-opted the Docker business models faster than they could take them from them mm-hmm. but again like on the strategy side right like just go to the google thing like that is i i have no doubt they said that and i i love the i mean that's a great statement by a google product manager now but like okay it's always multiple parameters like he is assuming that like he is still part of an organization that has an incredibly strong and profitable advertising business based on search like probably somebody else right now is trying to displace that or it just becomes less relevant like in the world of mobile so i'm saying like if you start to pull that leg out from google you know what i'm saying if you start to attack that then suddenly what they just said they were going to do they're not going to be able to subsidize it's so, like, you always have to think of these things as like multi-pronged, right? It's like yeah. if I take this away from Google, you know, and I, you know, I personally saw this at Sun, like when when people were like, "Hey, we don't really need the Spark servers anymore." I was like, suddenly, like, there wasn't as much money to go around to do, like, you know, to co- commoditize like application servers or other things, and so. 
So I don't know. I mean, I don't know how it'll play out. And I, but I just like to like. There are some chess moves. You can see maybe two moves in advance, right? And maybe and really the biz, the the war will be run fifteen moves in advance. So if you're smart enough to think that way, good for you. But there's a lot of stuff happening all the time. So that's why I think never get too hung up on like one group. And but at the same time, we absolutely acknowledge the reality that Amazon's the dominant. You know, cloud vendor. Like I don't, I don't think anyone's arguing Wait, that, and no. that's going to be like yeah. that for for at least five years right i don't know 10 years is a long time we'll see yeah well well let's uh but before we get to the recommendation i mean we we should get to that because i got to take my son to swimming class here in a little bit and uh speaking of speaking of dad ass but like you know two two thoughts occur to me which uh, i got to hear myself say you know uh and no i'll get to that in the recommendations but like one i think uh uh i think man i forgot what the one thing was but it, it it does seem like uh, you know it's like the town of uh, of 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 like what's that guy's name Brandon Marshawn Lewis <laughs> like so they have that attitude of just like we're just gonna run through a motherfucker right like I guess I guess that's that's what you do when if, if you can pull that off then that's great and uh, yeah I, I mean I, I think I think obviously there'll there'll be some things that disrupt it and and then the I think the test of like a good company I mean Apple's proven to be like this is that. It's not that you don't get disrupted. It's that you can get back on your feet and uh, and still figure things out. And I think Microsoft's been through this uh, this tunnel. Like companies can do that. And you know the other thing I remember what the first thing was. The other thing I like about it is uh, I think I don't know if it's intentional or not, but but Jassy's trying to start this meme of when people say lock in, what they actually mean is Oracle. <laughs> I think it was a, a fun right. discussion of that. Which uh, I, I think I think that dog might hunt. That's <laughs> yeah. that's a pretty good one. Uh, Obviously, I will never work at Oracle. Uh, that's that's uh, that's good stuff. Yeah, we're gonna have like Oprah's gonna send the tapes from from uh, the edited out stuff if I apply for oh, a job there. Yeah. That's no good. Well, let's. Uh, we got a few more links uh, that we didn't have time to go over. You know, got a couple more years class. of titanium. And uh, well, <laughs> now yeah, now there was. I was waiting for Matt Ray to bust in about titanium, and and I don't. I don't even. I think my wedding ring's made of titanium. <laughs> I I forget, but. Um, but anyways, uh, you know, you can see the rest of those links, as always, if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 88. We always list a bunch of good stuff there. Uh, but why don't, you, uh, why don't you give us your, your recommendation for this week, uh, Matt, right? Let's see. What are my recommendations? Um, one of my – I had to, be to on scroll the down. Um, uh, there's a, a website uh, called Atlas Obscura. Um, if you – uh, if you haven't seen it, mm. uh, there's also a, a new book out from them. Uh, it's kind of like a Wikipedia of strange things around the world, places to go visit that, you know, it's not like, oh, you should check out the Eiffel Tower. They're like, hey, if you're in Paris and, you know, it's not your first time, maybe go check out, you know, something a little more esoteric. And so, uh, yeah, like this is this is where Hemingway cheated on his first wife. That would be nice. Exactly. Exactly. You're like, you know, you've heard of the catacombs, but, you know, have you heard of these other catacombs where they have cats and dogs? You know, I mean, that kind of crap where, um, yeah, so so uh, go check that website out um, because it's got this Wikipedia aspect where you can uh, write in new things. And so uh, uh, my wife uh, added an entry for a place we went in Tasmania uh, called Tasmasia. Um, at the uh, the village of Lower Crackpot, so you know it's 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 cool if you're traveling a lot and look for different things to do, and uh, and you can you know it has a little bit of a social aspect. You can say, oh, I want to mm. go there, and you know comments and that kind of stuff. Um, and and uh, yeah. So so so, uh, uh, so Brandon, pop Slate Plus subscriber quiz. Who is associated with Atlas Obscura? Oh, that would be David Plotz, the host of uh, Slate's Gabfest, political Gabfest. Mm-hmm. What a, and former, what a I think job. he's the former uh, editor in chief of Slate before taking the Atlas Obscure job. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I always, I always think there must have been some moment in his 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 coverage. Where he was like, "Fuck this shit! I'm gonna do a one podcast a week, and I'm out." <laughs> like it's it's a weird weird job for him to have uh, tradition to. He's he's feisty. I, I like him. I think I think him and Kara Swisher should get a podcast together. That would be great. Maybe they'll get that John Dickerson guy in there to kind of like moderate it. Sort of like, you know, you don't want to drink straight chocolate. I was going to say, I don't think you don't there have... would be like no silence. Yeah. They would be talking simultaneously. Like I mean, no, nothing just... against, uh, what's her name, Emily? It's a shame I don't remember yeah. her last Emily name. Emily Bazelon. I mean, she's great too. I'm just saying for a whole other new type of podcast, get get those two or three together. Cause, you know, that would be, that would yeah. be a good one. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I like I like me some Emily Bazelon. That's good stuff. She's she's kind of like the Matt Iglesias <laughs> of that podcast, except in a very lawyerly kind of way. See, I've got new references it. to make. I'm not just an old course, guy. Uh, I was gonna say Matt Iglesias, of course, everyone knows as the host of the Weeds podcast, and we are so fucking in the weeds of podcast uh, celebrity right now. It's like there are three people. One of which is, you know, probably <laughs> not not here that know what we're talking about. Yeah, and, and, and not everybody on the show. Yeah, that way it's just like I have got to go to work. Please yeah. wrap up. So. Yeah, just just call up call up Dennis Miller and he'll make you a fucking spreadsheet. Just like the, <laughs> do all this stuff. All right, what do you got for us, Brandon? Uh, this week I uh, finished listening to another audiobook. It's called The Upstarts, and it's uh, how Uber, Airbnb, and the killer companies of the new Silicon Valley are changing the world. So that's the whole title. But it's written by Brad Stone, author of uh, The Everything Store, which is sort of a behind-the-scenes look at the rise of Amazon. And this is, not surprisingly, a behind-the-scenes look at Uber and Airbnb. So I like these kinds of, like, I guess they're business books, but where someone goes out and does some uh, reporting and research into um, – how these companies started, what the challenges they faced, you know, the good, the bad, um, sometimes the ugly. And, you know, this one is more, I, I think the thing that was really interesting about it for me was there's actually a lot of um, coverage of the different regulatory issues both Uber and Airbnb encountered, and I guess to some extent are still encountering them, and then how they approach that. And, um, like, I've long, like, my kind of hot take you know has been for a while or just from like what my sense from the media was like uber was the sort of the anti-regulator one and they sort of are in the news and the really brash one but after listening to this um i was struck by how much airbnb while they have this sort of like more aspirational like hippie kind of uh feel to them they are actually in a lot of ways to me more confrontational with the regulators than maybe uber which i thought was really interesting i just hadn't really thought about it and then of course given today's many recent events like what's the role of government regulation good bad what should it be like this is a pretty good look into to um all the different issues and you know i i kind of think it's one of those things you don't i left it more like complicated topic right there's lots of it's easy to make come up with some real simple narratives you know evil villains and um the 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 uh the poor people that they are running over but when you kind of like i'll just take uber when you have like the taxi um coalition you have city governments and you have a tech company in some ways like no one is innocent in this <laughs> in that interaction and it was very interesting to hear um, how it went down. And also, like, a couple other companies make um, cameos in it. Like, Lyft kind of shows up, and you kind of see how they changed Uber. And then uh, Airbnb's various tactics. So, And there's also a little bit about, you know, it's a growth hacking, which is a word I just hate. But they talk a lot about how Uber and Airbnb, which were these are companies that we tend to tell the story that they just grew through word of mouth. Well, they kind of go over some of the ways that they actually you know, open cities, which I thought was really interesting as well. So mm. if you're looking for something to listen to, check out The Upstarts. Yeah, that's good. Now I got one one question. I think I've asked this before. So now I've, I'm coming around to the audiobook thing because I realize I can, I can frequently not find a podcast I want to listen to. I should listen to a book Whoa. when when I'm in those moments. Like I'm just like I, I'm not up for this. Like I need I need some lulling. So my question to you, Brandon: Do I buy a la carte or subscribe to Audible? I know my answer, but I'm curious what what your your advice is. I have been a uh, longtime subscriber of it, mm. so I get like one credit uh, a month. But if you're not going to do it, one the better way to do it, if you're just not sure, is to do like I think it's. 12 like you just pay one fee and you get like 12 credits and then those just kind of sit in there that's a good idea and that way you, like if you want to binge up now the other thing you can do with audiobooks one remember that you can install the audible app on you know really as many ios devices as you want i don't know how many but i haven't found the limit and then of course if you uh if you're married or if you know have another loved one in your house you can just uh you know give them that stuff and then so like my wife sometimes like for my wife, like I am her Audible subscription. She will mm. just tell me. She'll be, I want you to order this book for me, and I get it, and it shows up. Um, but now we'll mess up your. It's like the Netflix problem. Like it then suddenly messes up your Audible recommendations because yeah. you're like starting to get. They, they don't just do that box. in the the family sharing thing. I know they have some some stupid thing about if my wife is is a uh, she she's in the hierarchy. She's a sub person to me 
because I'm the prime prime person. <laughs> she loves that, by right. the way. She's that's the Amazon. Yeah. That's on the, you know, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. you know, again, we could go on a whole rant about identity management, but the Audible, Amazon identity management, it's not so good. It's yeah, just more it, like, it's, a, like just, it's also works better if your wife, it's, it's just a lot easier if you just do yeah. it for your wife. She, like, she, yeah, has, she has like $50 in video credits because she accepted slow shipping. But it turns out if she buys a video, we can't watch it on our video on our video thing because she's not the primary person. Oh. I mean, like, when are they going to support Markdown on Amazon? I don't understand Come what's on. happening. Well, I mean, I'm just going to take this rant another direction. Is like, so you know, my my son is now an avid uh, Apple uh, user of his uh, iPad, and so of course I've uh, my wife, you know, now is is part of the family inside Apple. But of course, like, it would be so great if I could tell Apple, like. This is my wife. She doesn't need permission to like buy stuff. She mm. just, you know, buy stuff. And this is my son who, yeah, like he shouldn't buy stuff or I want to know. And it's just, you know, well, again, it asks you just, permission when really you buy no stuff. one took any more than like two minutes to implement There's this. There's got to be like, some way okay, to Anyway, let's just, you know, let's come on, guys, let's get together. Let's, you know, we I think it's an expectation that people are going to, you know, get married and have children like we could adjust yeah. the software to account for that and not pretend that it doesn't going to happen. So, yeah, there's two, anyway, there's two pictures taking pictures of themselves being all fucking happy on hiking and in San Diego and shit to worry about this stuff with their. No, no, she, she's yelling at him for the for not changing the Netflix password. Mm. <laughs> uh, that, yeah. Woof. Oh. We'll, we'll have to set aside a whole episode for for family tech. That'll be great. Well, uh, oh no, yeah, that would that would really get us. I've got two two recommendations. One, I don't often recommend just an image, but also the Twitter account. I don't know if this is a copy one or whatever, but if you go to the you had one job Twitter account, I, I highly recommend subscribing to it. But it has uh, it has it has a picture that I'll put in the show notes that I think summarizes a lot of where I am now with my political thinking. You look at this picture. I'm going to describe it to you. You can look at it too. There's a fence, corrugated fence. It's red spray paint. It says spread anarchy. Someone has crossed it out in blue spray paint. And at the bottom it says, don't tell me what to do. I mean, I think I think that kind of uh, summarizes a lot of how I think about most everything nowadays. <laughs> also, speaking of my uh, clothing optional vegan hippie days, every few years I rediscover Bragg's, that sauce that, that you can get. If you go read up on the history of Braggs and also uh, Dr. Bronner's soap, always a delightful thing to see how the hippies are just as bad as everyone else and they have infighting. As one of the great political uh, commentators, fictional, of my childhood said, we all got it coming, kid. So, uh, but, you know, Braggs is good. You spray that on anything, it'll taste like Braggs instead of whatever hot mess of healthiness that you're actually eating. Um, Mm. Also, uh, hopefully I'll have the time to, to use it on this because I've used it on Pivotal Conversations. But I started, I found and started using this thing called Hindenburg, which is this audio editor written for, uh, I can only guess, like NPR-style radio people, given given all of the uh, the videos they have. I think it's out of Sweden. It, it'll run you something like $350 for the full edition. But, you know, corporate Amex, not a problem. And uh, I'm on a trial now. But you should really try it out. Like, I have tried every single, more or less, uh, audio editing thing out there and fission is pretty good but it's only single track and all the rest of them like are very insulting towards podcast people like it's all oriented around like whatever that girl talk guy does i guess um and so it's very confusing <laughs> right i mean to, to export something that's called bouncing like what the fuck are these people thinking um anyways but hindenburg is really good you can get a demo of it it's perfect like there's a little couple little foibles in it but just like any of these editing things you spend your first couple of weeks like with the uh, the key combos up on the screen and you learn that and it's got the old it's got the old jkl thing if if, if you've ever edited stuff you know about that that's that's good stuff and uh they got a $30 iOS app that's like a field recorder. That looks kind of interesting, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I'll try that out. So uh, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. You can find the show notes for this episode uh, at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 88. There's also a way to subscribe to the feed there, which you should do. Also, while you're there, click on a link, go to iTunes, you leave us a recommendation. Remember, if you leave a recommendation and contact us, we'll pseudo-randomly select someone to go to uh, the best conference in, uh, what's that, Maryland? North America. Yeah, North America. DevOps stays Baltimore. You get a whopping 10% off. You can go, what would someone go buy with that 10% savings, Brandon? Well... Since they'll be in Baltimore, they can go have some crabs. Not Maine, where you'd have lobster. Mm. So enjoy those. Now, do they, do they call crabs. that? Do they call that a roll, a hoagie, a sandwich? What, what would you call that? 
No. Grinder. Well, they would call it a crab cake if you want crab someone cake. to take the crab meat out for you. Okay. They, they would, be like, crab cakes. They would yeah. be like, don't put that in bread, man. It's crab. Yeah, yeah. Not just in bread. crab cakes. Okay. Yeah, don't no bread, no bread. This is not any, no type of bread thing here. So, just crab cake. So you can use that code. I think it was SDT hyphen Baltimore. Just go to the show notes, find it, get ten percent off, and go buy some crab. Don't put it in bread. And uh, with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye bye. That's when it just clicked in my mind that if you just run through somebody's face, a lot of people ain't gonna be able to take that over and over and over and over and over and. Over and 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 over again. They just not gonna want that. Think there's a deeper metaphor there? Run through a motherfucker face. Then you don't have to worry about them no more.